0: Hello and welcome to episode 193 of Pop Culturally Deprived, where each week we watch a movie I've never seen before, which is most of them, and talk about the good, the bad, and the peculiar. This week we're going to be talking about One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest on your This Is Not a Dime podcast. Not a dime podcast.
1: (laughs) We have a chocolate bar over here called a dime bar. Do you have a dime bar?
0: Mm, I don't think so. It's
1: like a hard kind of caramel in the middle, like crunchy caramel, but with a chocolate surround.
0: Did you like
1: the surprising combination of crisp caramel stuff and delicious milk chocolate smooth on the outside, crunchy on the inside? Nope. Mm. i like armadillos smooth on the inside crunchy on the outside armadillos dime the surprising alternative to armadillos to armadillos for a long time they were only sold in ikea and and that might even still be the case
0: well then we probably have them in ikeas here maybe but i've only been to ikea once so okay right um
1: (laughs) hi everyone welcome to the show (laughs) <laughs> we're going to kick off with that reminder that we're doing at the moment. You've probably seen in your feeds a few weeks back now, we did a discussion about our uh, finishing of Pop Culture Deprived and a bit of what's coming up next. We are running through to episode 200. So we've only got a few more of these yet left. And we've got some pretty cool big films coming, such as One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. But what we want to do for <laughs> episode 200 is to hear from you about the history of Pop culture deprived. What have you enjoyed? What have you not enjoyed? What films should we have covered that we haven't covered? Where have you argued with us? Where have you been shouting at your car radio, your phone, your personal assistant device that's been playing for you to tell us that we were absolutely wrong? Obviously, I'm using a "we were wrong." Very clearly, you all. But we all know that you
0: are on Team Mandy because Matthew was wrong. (laughs)
1: So, if you have opinions, if you have things you want to share to us, you have a very short time left to be able to do so. You can email us, podcast at eloquentgushing.com. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at eloquentgushing. You can DM us. You can at us. You can phone us, speakpipe.com slash eloquentgushing and actually leave us a message. I would love to get some messages to include. um, But (laughs) please do just tell us something. Tell us, you know, even I loved when you did this episode because we all thought you'd love it and you didn't. Something on those lines. Any message mm-hmm. of any sort, please send it to us.
0: Yeah, you can even just like open up the 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 note recorder app on your phone and record mm-hmm. a quick note and email that to us. Yeah, anything at all would be wonderful.
1: You you could open up the note app on your phone and type out a note as though it's an apology from a famous sports star for doing something wrong. Because
0: <laughs> they <laughs> all seem to learn. use
1: the basic iPhone notes app, don't they?
0: They do. They do. And I appreciate now it was
1: wrong of me to murder a bag of puppies. However, in in my defense, the puppies were looking at me funny.
0: (laughs) Matthew, that's terrible.
1: Sorry for saying such things. They should send me to the loony bin. Hey.
0: Hey. (laughs) Have you gone cuckoo?
1: Transitioning nicely. Uh, This is, I have seen stuff recently about the phraseology we should use about people with mental difficulties. Because mm-hmm. it is easy to use slang terms like cuckoo and loony bin and psycho mm-hmm. and so on. I don't know exactly where that applies or doesn't. So I'm going to try to stand on the the, the side of not saying anything. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, it, some of it's a little bit tough because in the time that this movie was made and the setting of this movie mm-hmm. is it's it's one place for a multitude. Of difficulties. It's not yeah. just for the mentally ill. It's for those with developmental disabilities and people who are belligerent in jail, like McMurphy <laughs> was. Right? Yeah. It's 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 not. It's it's hard because there is no one word or one phrase to encompass it all. Because they tried to put everybody in the same box, mm-hmm. and it doesn't. It
1: yeah, hard. and and certainly what we were seeing in this ward. Do you remember when we watched Rain Man? And I talked about that's the the home that. Dustin Hoffman's character was in Raymond. Mm-hmm. Raymond um, was so reminiscent of where my aunt lived. My aunt had Down syndrome, and and it was reminiscent of that sort of institution and home. Mm-hmm. This ward is very different. Yes. Yeah. So this is this is an even more extreme example of some of that. Mm-hmm.
0: Hmm. I suspect this is going to be another uh, divisive episode okay. with okay. some divisive opinions. However, I am fully aware that I am in the vast, vast minority. <laughs> in fact, I may be one of the only people on the planet who feel the way that I do about this movie. Oh, interesting. So, spoiler alert. I,
1: I am interested coming out of it whether you actually enjoyed it.
0: I did. Okay. I mean, I think the performances were wonderful. Mm-hmm. It was an absolutely tragic story that I did not anticipate ending the way that it did. Okay. Um but i'm I'm glad I watched it. Like it was tough to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think Louise Fletcher earned her Oscar right. <laughs> and it I understand why this is still a movie that people talk about. Mm-hmm. There are things about it that people talk about that I don't understand, but we will get into that. Oh, interesting. okay. So, mm-hmm. but yes, no, I did enjoy it. Okay.
1: Yeah, it it was nominated for nine Academy Awards, and obviously a lot of awards elsewhere. The BAFTAs, the Golden Globes. I think it swept the Golden Globes entirely. Um, It it got nominated for a lot. At the Academy Awards that year, it won Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, Best Actress, and Best Screenplay Adaptation. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And was nominated, Brad DeRiff was nominated, Best Supporting Actor, uh, nominated for Cinematography, Film Editing, and Best Original Score. The Academy Awards that year, the Oscars, are all bangers. They are all great, great. They are, you know, I could have any of them on my TV at any time. Best Picture: okay. One Flew of the Cooker's Nest, which won. Also nominated: Barry Lyndon, one of the great period pieces of all time. Dog Day Afternoon, an incredibly interesting crime heist caper thing. Okay. Jaws.
0: Oh, Jaws. Okay. One of the
1: great sort of action horror films, thrillers, mm-hmm. and Nashville. Mm. An intense ensemble music piece.
0: Okay, I only know about that movie because of you. Mm. And then, I mean, of th- course, I know Jaws. The other two, I don't. I'm not familiar okay. with.
1: Barry Lyndon is, is is you know I've talked about Kubrick and he did different films mm-hmm. of different genres basically all the time. This was his period piece, uh, and it is exceptional. It's it's a a visual feast. It's beautiful. Okay. It's also three hours long.
0: Oh, goodness. (laughs) Which goes
1: against it. However, that one I think, Best Cinematography, which, yes, it's beautiful. So, yes, it should do. I think Jaws won Best Editing, which, yes, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Jaws should win Best Editing. So you sort of understand where everything got everything. And I think all the different films won what they won. But I can also understand this being the film at the time that swept the main
0: categories. Yes.
1: Because it really is pretty intense. Mm-hmm. And like you say, giving some great performances and great direction to, you know, the, the the number of shots that are held to show us someone's reaction to something and to show us what people are going through, where you're not seeing what's actually going on. Mm-hmm. You know, he is directing this to keep us in that moment and to live with these characters. Yeah. Mm, really strong. Yeah,
0: there were some specific moments with Jack Nicholson where I wondered what is happening in the room. Yeah. To make his face do that. Yeah. And I, that's, it was good good stuff.
1: Mm. Yeah, as, as a, a film, because I think we're going to dive into story and character quite heavily yeah. on this. I think as a film, it is, it is absolutely a great film that deserves to still be heralded. I just think as time goes on, it's almost justifiably less heralded because our understanding of people's mental issues and the way to deal with them mm-hmm. deviates further and further from what we're seeing here. Mm-hmm. This was such an intense thing of like, Oh, this goes on in places, and there are people like this.
0: This is very much a movie of its time.
1: Mm. So it's still worth watching, but is very far from
0: where we are now, what we know now.
1: You would hope, yeah, what we know and what we do.
0: Yeah.
1: Mm. Mm. Oh, good. I'm glad, because certainly it has sort of moments of levity. It starts in a very light way. Mm Mm-hmm. And doesn't hint at what's coming. And even when you get there, there's only a few moments that are like, this is really dark and really tough. Suitably so. Like, it uses those moments really well. But there were moments in there I'm like, I, I don't know if Mandy's going to like this. Because I don't think it's told her what's coming well enough.
0: Oh, no. The end was a complete shock to me. Like, okay. I floored. But here's the thing. So let's talk expectation for a moment. mm I have never read the book. I had never seen this. But I am so familiar with the concept of Nurse Ratchet. Okay. Right. In fact, I thought it was Ratchet, not Ratchet. But mm-hmm. there's just something about the character that has become a stereotype and a caricature over time mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. everybody's familiar with the character. Yeah. And because of that, my expectation was. This was—I thought this was gonna be like horror movie level mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I thought she was gonna be the actual embodiment of evil and doing physical abuse, like physically harming these people and delighting in it. I was, ex- you know, I mean, because even the the Ryan Murphy Ratchet origin story that's on Netflix right now—I've seen mm. the trailer for it—and okay. it plays up the pop culture belief of Nurse Ratchet. Okay. As as traitors I want to do. You have been subjected to enough pain. I can show you a good time. But you deserve someone to show you mercy. How different I would be if someone had. Do you wanna have Right. It treats mm. her. And, and my understanding is that there are some scenes in that that are absolutely horrifying. Right. As Ryan Murphy is want to do. Okay. Um, and so I spent the whole movie waiting for those moments. Like waiting to see this horrible, horrible woman doing these terrible, terrible things. So That was my expectation. Mm-hmm. That expectation was not met. Right. I, I don't understand... The nurse ratchet hate. Okay. I don't think she's evil. I think she's misunderstood. I think she's a fairly reasonable person. And I just don't get it. I don't get it. And I know nobody agrees with me on this. Like, I, th- I swear to God, I thought Joseph was going to divorce me yesterday <laughs> talking about this. <laughs> like, it, it was just bad. over a month. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no, it was bad. It was bad. Um, Put the poll up on Twitter and I posted on Facebook about it. And I am literally the only person who responded in any of those things in such a way that says Nurse Ratchet is not evil. So do with that what you will.
1: I mean, you use the word reasonable. I don't think reasonable is the word. (laughs) I don't think that's how we talk about her.
0: I think she's particularly um, with the vote taking. Okay. Like, that's where I first used the word reasonable with her because I okay. thought that was a very reasonable way to diffuse the situation.
1: Okay. I, I, oh, God, I want to take this in so many different directions. I know, just, I know. Let's just talk about, a little bit about Jack Nicholson, R.P. McMurphy. Do you think he is the villain of the piece then?
0: No. I think the system is the villain of the piece.
1: Okay. Do you, Do you think he is the antagonist then is he an antihero
0: I mean he's he's the protagonist because he, we're getting the story from his perspective okay i think okay um mm. this is largely i know so i was surprised as doing some reading and the the book is told from the perspective of chief yes um but we don't get enough of teeth to, mm. to say that no. in the movie. They didn't They didn't do that well in the movie until the last mm. scene. You're looking at me like you don't agree with me.
1: No, no, I'm just, uh, so I'm going to throw in here the, the story. I, I'm not sure whether I saw the movie first or second, but I've seen this on stage. Okay. A, as a play. Um, and the cool thing about that is the person, it had Mackenzie Crook in the Brad Drift character. I don't know who that is. Have you seen the British office? No. Nope. Um, you've seen the Pirate to the Caribbean films. Yes. I think he's the one whose eye falls out all the time.
0: Oh, okay. I know who Fine. that is.
1: Yeah. The character playing R.P. McMurphy, the actor, sorry, playing R.P. McMurphy was Christian Slater. Wow. Which, yes. Yes, of course it was.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's basically JD, right? <laughs> From well, <laughs> like I,
1: I have heard Jack um, Christian Slater on um, interviews saying he he did once go up for a part as young Jack Nicholson in something, and he didn't get it. I mean, some
0: performances that I've wanted to do have been basically revenge on a part that maybe I didn't get, you know? Oh, really? That's really interesting. Isn't that crazy? I mean, psychologically, that's how – yeah, it's it's been – I was thinking about it the other day, but it's like um, – I remember I went in and I auditioned for uh, uh, Ironweed, you know, uh-huh. which was a movie with Jack Nicholson yep. and, and Meryl Streep and it was to play uh young Jack Nicholson in the movie. And uh, you know the director just I don't see it. I <laughs> <laughs> don't see it. Yeah. That's... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I mean they didn't see it yeah, they, they did not see it and uh, you know so then when Heathers came along I was like well you know this is for you
1: director how? like everyone was surprised like he is he younger. is like, young technical he yeah right. <laughs> but I think I might have seen the play first and then seen the film okay um, and is and the, the play closer to the book yeah the it, it's probably more in between but it does have the chief doing a sort of narrative talking to the audience about what's you know his experiences and his feelings with these things
0: so in the in the book and in the play do you know earlier in the movie and in the story that he's not actually deaf and dumb
1: no i don't think so and you know we're talking i think 16 years since i saw it now (laughs) so um but i think it is that he addresses the audience but then he sort of stands in the corner watching everyone for the rest of it. Mm. So it still does that thing. Okay. Mm. Um oh well, there is there is a lot to dig into.
0: There is. I i had a hard time kind of figuring out narratively where things go, like mm-hmm. protagonist, antagonist, plot, villain. Um because the story isn't cut and dried it's not we're going to tell the story of an event right yep. it's not you know we don't have PGAG protagonist goals antagonist goals we okay, don't yeah. have that in no. this um, there's not a clear cut villain apart from the system mm-hmm, the okay. institution and I see a lot of people who talk about Nurse Ratchet as the villain kind of laying all of that on her Mm-hmm. And I I don't see it based on the information I was given in the movie, knowing that I haven't read the book. I have no context from the book. I believe the book was less subtle. It was mm-hmm. more textual, okay. that the author intended her to be a villain. But we don't see that in the movie. And taking the movie on its own, I struggle with this. Because I don't think she's a villain. I don't think she's evil. I don't necessarily think she's a good person. Mm-hmm. I think she's rather unethical. Mm-hmm. But she's not a sadist. She's not power hungry. She, she did not do anything to derive. She did not get pleasure out of any of the things that she did. I I will argue that. Like, I will die on that hill. Don't.
1: I, okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> I, I, can I tell you my take on yes, this? Yes, please yes, please do. Please do. I think it is one of those examples of a small person with a small bit of power who wants to exact it to its absolute. She has I... a bit of control on this ward and these, these men. And so she does everything she can to maintain that power absolutely. It's it's the, the stereotype of like ticket attendance and, you know.
0: She follows the rules of the place that she works. She's an unflappable professional.
1: The The vote is a very... Very good example of it, because she doesn't set out what she's doing with the vote. Mm -hmm. She calls for the vote, and everyone is so intimidated by her, without us having seen why they're intimidated by her, and and quite how much power she has, that they don't vote. So it seems like she's won. And then when he gets the vote again, it seems like he has won. She then says, oh no, there's all these other people that need Mm -hmm. to vote as well. Which I I think you can see coming. Because she does make a comment about all the people on the ward,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but that is her, and I think she does take pleasure from it. That is her stopping him getting anywhere, not being reasonable at all.
0: I I think the vote itself was fine. I think her saying the meeting is adjourned and the vote you didn't get the vote when he clearly did get another one that would make him win. I think that was mean. It was mean spirited. Mm-hmm. I absolutely you- think that was mean spirited, but I understand why she wanted to do the vote. Like that, in a ward like this, there are people who may be severely disturbed by changing a schedule, and she uses that as her reason. Right? I understand why she might get a little bit of pleasure out of thwarting. McMurphy because <laughs> mm-hmm. he's an asshole and he antagonizes an yeah. <laughs> her like he walked into this ward and immediately made a bet with everybody else that he can put a bug up her ass like he is trying to antagonize her so do mm-hmm. I fault her for getting a little bit of pleasure out of shutting him down no I don't
1: It it's the the way and this is where the film gets into the details of the character nicely that she steps to put on the music that he had also complained about at the volume he complained about it like, yeah, and I then, think she and then may have actually there. turned it up a little bit louder. Yeah, she 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 stares at him, and there is a a you know sense of satisfaction there.
0: And right, she's but that's the one person against person, and like pitting Ratchet against McMurphy in that way. I don't see her as evil. I see them as two petulant teenagers.
1: No, I and, and I I agree. I don't think she's evil. I think I think she does want to help people Mm -hmm. but she has been doing it so long i think the the implication the way i read it she's been doing it so long she is now just i the best way to do this is my way so i've ruled it with an iron fist and we all have to do Mm -hmm. this thing and i i think it the, the the really big bit about it is the way that it comes to the discussion of whether he should be in jail or the ward Mm-hmm. And she's the one in the room saying he should stay here. He would benefit from being here, which is I... not necessarily her best choice, even for herself. Right, but it is her wanting to keep him down.
0: Right, but he,
1: it's a step. It's it's a it's a far cry from evil.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think she's evil. I think she makes bad choices, and I don't think she's a good person. She's very obviously cold and unfeeling. Mm-hmm. But I do think that it is very clear textually that she wants to do what's best for the men on the ward. We have to take McMurphy out of that equation because mm-hmm. McMurphy is the thorn in her side. Right. Yes. I think McMurphy and Ratchet are two sides of the same coin, honestly. I think they're okay. very, very similar. Right. Um, so when we when we take McMurphy out, I think she legitimately is trying to do what's best for the men on the ward. Now, whether what she's doing is, is a different story.
1: Yeah, because of the time, because of the, you know, you know we would have a different culture of caring. Mm-hmm. now which is hard not to overlay to this mm-hmm. but at the same time you're right she does lead a session where she wants to talk to these men and she says you know billy i would love to put here that you led the meeting
0: mm-hmm. and i think i think for me a big part of that of the mental shift for me was discovering that the majority of the men in this ward are there voluntarily mm-hmm. that made a huge mental shift for me mm. in how they were I don't want to say how they were being treated because when I say that it makes it sound like I think they were being treated badly and I don't right for the time right I think they were choosing to stay there not out of fear but -hmm. because they thought this was the best place for them and that they were getting they were getting help here and they would not be successful if they weren't. Yeah. In this
1: place. And you can understand change to that Mm -hmm. upsetting them and people not wanting to stay if it's going to change.
0: Right. Mm. And then things like, like I was arguing with Joseph about this last night too. I'm telling you, it was, it was a whole thing. It's a whole big thing. (laughs) Shout Um, out to Joseph. (laughs) Right? (laughs) She... It, it it would be easy to place the blame on nurse ratchet for the electroshock therapy and for the lobotomy that mcmurphy eventually gets but the thing is she wasn't in the room when those things happened she didn't give the order the doctors did like there is no textual evidence whatsoever that she actually had anything to do with those things okay and i think putting that on her i think that's disingenuous
1: okay that is the the power that she has that they're scared of, that she can get security and take them away. And chances are the thing that happens to them is the doctors go, oh, yes, they need that because they're clearly out of control. Like, you're absolutely right that it's about the system. Mm-hmm. And she knows that the system will go, OK, Nurse Ratchet, been doing it long enough. She knows what she's doing. She says this thing. Mm-hmm. So our next course is, is electroshock therapy. Mm-hmm.
0: I get that, I do, but I don't think that you can place all of the faults and all of the blame of an entire system on a single individual.
1: I, just, I no. don't, no, but she she is causing some of these things to happen, and and the way you know we we see it with the Audleys, who also well, good morning Miss Ratchet, good morning Miss Ratchet, do exactly what she says. Mm-hmm. They don't question her either, mm-hmm. again because they will have power over their jobs. You know, these are black men working in a hospital in mm-hmm. the 70s. So they don't want to be unemployed because it was probably hard enough to get a job anyway.
0: Right. But the way that Mr. Turkle reacted to the supervisor overnight was exactly mm-hmm. the same way that he reacts to Nurse Ratchet, mm-hmm. And so I don't think that's unique to her.
1: Okay. Yeah. So So had it been Nurse Blatchett...
0: yeah they didn't give us the supervisor's name in that scene but
1: but it it still would have been the same thing as like this woman is this you you know you can't just have the i was just following orders i was just in that army
0: i i think that nurse ratchet was doing the best that she could with the information that she had okay that's what i think and i think if we're gonna place the blame if we're gonna call nurse ratchet evil we have to call every employee of this institution evil yeah Which means the institution itself is evil.
1: And and I I don't think I'm calling them evil. Okay. You know, the the things that people have done are not necessarily good or in the best interests as we would think of it. But at the same time, you know, humanity develops and you learn more and you try to do the best that you can with whatever's in front of you.
0: So... One of the things that has become widely accepted in pop culture is that Nurse Ratchet and I guess this is why I keep using the phrase evil, hmm. the word evil, is because it's it's become widely accepted that she is essentially the double incarnate. Right. Which I equate with evil. And so I it, just say evil. Is there
1: something I... specific you're referencing? Because I know of her just through general references of like someone being controlling and whatever, but it it does seem like there are there is something that you've seen or known about or I has done a spoof that
0: I don't have a specific example it's just this mm. is this is what i know to be nurse ratchet okay like when people call other people nurse ratchet or they reference a nurse ratchet it's because they are truly horrible awful human beings right and then in some of the things that i was looking up i kept seeing references to the devil incarnate when talking about her specifically mm. and so it's kind of a wild widely known theory i guess mm-hmm. because it's certainly not textual but she has achieved the the status as a character of this level of villain villainy uh-huh is that the right word, villainy? Yeah,
1: second ranked somewhere as the second greatest.
0: She's uh, in the top five for sure. Villain the... after
1: the Wicked Witch of the West.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and so I, I actually, I went looking hmm. to find out, are there other people out there who agree with me? And I found one person who wrote it. (laughs) You found one person. I found one person. One single. There's somebody on Reddit as well. Well, right. Stop
1: the presses. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, Okay, so she's number five on the greatest all-time screen villains, conducted by the American Film Institute. But, okay, can I just read this? Okay. This this piece. This is from a piece. from flicks.com.au.
1: So, someone in Australia.
0: Someone, yes, this is Australia. Oh, in Australia. well. <laughs> <laughs> and the title of the piece is Netflix's new show Gets It Wrong Nurse Ratchet was Never a Villain. Um, but he talks specifically, it, while the, the piece is triggered from the new show, which is irrelevant to our conversation today, mm-hmm. he does go back to the movie and say, okay, here's the what we know here's where the story began so let's look at mildred ratchet and what we know of her from the movie and so he asks who or what was the real villain of the movie the short answer a punitive primitive outdated and inhumane healthcare system ratchet was a professional who kept her calm and followed established practice during very trying circumstances was she a likable character good lord no But calling her the villain is a convenient simplification that undermines a key message in the film, which is the basis of this piece rather than the novel, and embraces the idea that individuals are to blame for deep systemic failures. It also implies ratchet derived pleasure or satisfaction from doing the wrong thing. In the film, at least, she didn't. I agree with that. Hmm. Um... The careful, routine governing, the careful routine governing the day-to-day life of the psychiatric hospital managed by Ratchet is thrown into disarray upon the arrival of McMurphy, a nonconformist who is faking mental illness to get out of serving time on a prison farm. Nicholson is so effective as a likable rascal that it's easy to forget two important things. One, this man committed statutory rape of a 15-year-old girl. Two, his behavior inside the hospital is selfish and reckless at best, and sometimes flat-out immoral. Um... And then they talk about the other shenanigans that he gets in, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it says, I'm mentioning all of this not to be pro-establishment killjoy, but to provide a reasonable context with which we can view Ratchet's response. How does she handle these situations? Almost all of the time, with an unflappably calm, steely, and professional demeanor. During McMurphy's many attempts to derail group counseling sessions, for example, the nurse keeps her cool. Sometimes, such as when Ratchet discredits the results of a group vote to watch a, fo- uh, this says football, but baseball game, on the grounds that the meeting has been adjourned, her cold dismissive is infuriating. But she is also being ambushed and undermined by somebody happy to destroy months or even years of work for his own pleasure and amusement. Hmm. And it, it just keeps going. But I, when I read this, I was like, this is exactly what I saw when I watched it. Like, you, if you read through my notes, like, several times, I'm like, I don't understand the reputation this character has. Like, I okay. don't see it from watching this movie because I see her as somebody... She doesn't outright show compassion. I think saying she has compassion is going a step way too far. Mm-hmm. But I do believe that watching her on screen, it is clear that she believes she is doing what is best for the men on the ward, which is why she... Does derive satisfaction from derailing McMurphy. Mm-hmm. And I believe that she genuinely cares about them.
1: I I think this is the most generous reading it can be of this character in this situation. Mm-hmm. Co- because, again, it's all in the details. And, uh, you know, he comes up to try to talk to her and talk about the music. And her instinct is, well, you're leaning on my glass. And you can't be in here. You need to do this. And, and then we can talk. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, like, he goes into the office and she gets him out of the office. And then when he goes to speak to her from the front, she acts as though she's never spoken to him before. Oh, Mr. murphy yes. What can I What can I do for you now? And
0: just, mm-hmm. but the, in-
1: the, the thing it feels closest to is uh, like border control, <laughs> you know, queuing up to get your passport checked, <laughs> that kind of mm-hmm. I have a little bit of authority here to delay you and to look at things, airport security sort of thing. So I'm going to make the absolute most of it.
0: I don't know. I think that's... And and I I think maybe we're we're both doing it, but I think that we are projecting bias into the gaps that the movie gives us. Okay. Mm -hmm. To make her appear one way or the other. And so I actually feel like... So Joseph and I were talking about this too, and I said, so really the movie portrays her as neutral at best Mm -hmm. and because I am filling in the gaps with generosity it pushes her to the good side of the scale and Mm -hmm. because Joseph and other people are filling in those holes with negativity Mm -hmm. it pushes her to the bad side of the scale and I think it's fascinating and and I am happy to say, I'm not going to say that I'm wrong, but I'm happy to acknowledge that I understand that I am so far in the minority on this.
1: I I, get that. It's a great film because you can read it so many ways and get so much from it. And I think the line in that piece that you just read about Jack Nicholson does so well as the cheeky rascal, whatever the line Mm -hmm. was, is so true. I can see so many people watching this who will be like, oh, he seems so cool and fun. I really want to be like him.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I struggled with that too until like the very end, my heart was broken because I like when with starting with Billy suicide, Mm -hmm. because I was watching this movie and I was like, he, he treats all of these patients as if they're just like he is. He treats them like every other human, like he sees past what this institution sees. He treats them, quote unquote, normal. Right. He wants them to have fun. He takes them on the fishing trip. You know, he throws a party for them. I don't believe that he did any. If he had done those things for his own gain, like the outcomes would have been significantly different. Like he escaped. He got over the fence and could have just walked away. He didn't. He got in the bus to steal the bus to take them on a field trip. He did that for them. I will argue that 100 percent. He didn't need to go steal a boat with, you know, 18 in inpatients from a mental asylum to go get it on with Miss Candy. He could have just gone to Candy's house. Why do you disagree with me on this? He is
1: absolutely doing this for his own pleasure. He thinks this is easy street. And, and like, I, I think, for me, the conversation is not about Ratchet. It's about McMurphy, because he thinks this is all some big jape. I'm being fed, I'm being given a place mm-hmm. to sleep, I've got these silly people I can muck about with, because he doesn't see them as quote-unquote normal, in mm-hmm. inverted commas. Um, he, I don't think
0: he does it first, but I think he gets there.
1: Oh, I'm not even sure then. I think I think he likes feeling like he's the, in inverted commas, normal one, mm-hmm. and can rule the roost here. And, you, you know, your comment about the two sides of the same coin, mm-hmm. whether that's true or not, there is another alpha in this pack. Mm-hmm. That he is going to butt heads with, and you know, taking them out for the day trip was about flicking the middle finger up to authority. See what I can do. I can, I can get away and do all this, and how silly and uh, it is, and it is reckless and stupid. And chances saw someone should have died there. And we, you know, the the whole thing of the opening points is he doesn't understand what can happen to him. He doesn't understand mm-hmm. he is actually there for a long time. Right. If there is someone sadistic who does decide. I'm going to show this guy what real authority is, and I'm going to keep him here by Mm -hmm. sitting in a meeting saying, I think it would be good for him to stay here. And he doesn't realize they are going to put electrodes on the side of his head and run electricity through him. And then in the end, take a big black and decker drill and stick it in his brain and see what happens. You know, he does not get these things are possible. He thinks this is just going to be absolutely cushy and good fun. Mm Mm-hmm. To the extent he is potentially the villain of the beast. This is not his story, I don't think. I I, I want it to be Billy's story, but I'm not sure it can be. But part of that is because I have a deep love for Brad DeRiff in my heart. And Mm -hmm. it's a delight to see him on screen. And this is the role that made Brad DeRiff. He's one of those actors that you see in everything. Uh, Other people come to mind, like James Woods. That Mm -hmm. you see just cropping up. Oh, it's James Woods. Oh, it's this person, this person. But you never very rarely see the performance that made them, that made them famous. Christopher Walken, for instance. Mm-hmm. I think it's Deer Hunter, maybe. But, you know, there was there clearly a film that made, you know, and James Woods. James Woods is, I think, Once Upon a Time in America. Okay. But, like, they're no then idea. just cast. After after that, they are then just, oh, it's Brad. De- we need a villainous kind of, you know, Weasley type. We And we've got Brad DeWiff. Hooray for us. You know, mm-hmm. we need a suave, fast-talking type. Hey, we've got James Woods. We need a slightly kooky, authoritative type. Hey, we've got Christopher Walker.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He's that sort of person. So to see him in this and go like, wow, this is his first role and he's doing something really interesting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: His story is written very large for us to take. You know, the fear of her, the fear of his mother, the fear of the sort of puritanical judgment whilst wanting to break out and be a normal, again, inverted in commas, normal, but a normal kid, you know, mm-hmm. going out with women. He just doesn't know how to process now to do that. So he ends up in the institution. It's probably the Native Americans. That's that's whose story it is. Do we? Does he have a name? Bromden.
0: They call him Chief Bromden.
1: Chief Bromden, Chief. and you know, again for the time that was, the references are used, sadly, but that's what it is. But it it is his story. It's just he's a background character for pretty much all the film.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, he is the one who gets to escape at the end, so the I think it becomes action, the story
1: who. It exhibits growth through the film, and talks about I yeah. now feel as big as a mountain.
0: Yeah, he is the only one who who changes because everybody else is still in the same place. Exactly at the, the movie. Yeah. I mean, McMurphy's dead, Billy's dead, mm-hmm. but everybody else is still just there, exactly where they were when the movie started. Yeah, which I think is another reason why I struggle narratively with the movie and like what, mm-hmm. what story am I supposed to be getting when yeah. I watch it? Yeah. Which is what I struggle with. Um, going back to McMurphy, I think he started that way, you know, doing things like, and, and I, I go back to the first, when he first got there and he's in the group session and they're talking about Harding's sex life. Uh-huh. Right. Like every time we pan over to his face, to, to mcmurphy's face it's hilarious because he's just gotten here he doesn't know anybody he doesn't mm-hmm. know how anything works yet and he's just sitting there with his arms crossed he's got this huge grin on his face and his head is just whipping back and forth watching everybody yeah. you can see the amusement he he's thinks this absolutely is amused yeah. yes absolutely and it continues like that you know and when he starts the gambling racket with mm-hmm. them to take their money you know things. yeah, like he's,
1: that. Doing that he is, yeah. he's doing that to take their money
0: yes absolutely he's doing that to take their money I think by the time we get to the field trip, Mm -hmm. he genuinely likes these men. He genuinely cares about them, genuinely wants them to have a better experience. Because at this point, he has figured out... Have have we figured out at this point that they're all there voluntarily? No. Timeline-wise, I'm confused. No. No. Comes later. Okay. That comes later. I... I do think he genuinely just wants them to have fun, particularly the way he gets so excited whenever they do catch the fish, you know, and when he has Cheswick steering the boat. Like, I, maybe I'm just too generous, but I I see it as him genuinely Mm. wanting them to have fun when he has the party for them. It's Mm -hmm. not for them. It's for him. Mm -hmm. But it's it's a little bit of both because he could have just left. Well, the window yeah. was open.
1: Let's that That's a big thing for what I think McMurphy is about, that end piece. The whole bit with the boat, I, I still think it's for him. I still think he is laughing at them. He is... Okay, what's the funniest thing? Why don't I take these people on a boat and show them an attractive woman that I get to sleep with, and let's see what happens. Because mm-hmm. wouldn't that be funny? Wouldn't that be... It's reminiscent of... What's the name of the guy from The Good Place? Who grew up in Gainesville, and wow, it's been a while since I saw that show. But you know what I mean? Like, the, the just, what's next on my search for comedy and fun in my life?
0: Okay.
1: Without any sort of thought of the consequences, because he doesn't know the consequences.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And a big part of this for me is, I think perhaps he should be in a mental institution. I think there is a reason they've sent him there. Mm. Maybe he's been playing up to try to be sent there because he thinks it's easy street and the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. But at the end, he gets these women in, he has the opportunity to escape, but he decides it would be more interesting to stay there and see what happens, and then eventually let Billy sleep with this woman who says, oh, okay then. Um, And then he doesn't escape. He is not well enough, he is not grounded enough to go, I should escape, he falls asleep. With yeah. the window open, next to the window. Next to the window, and, yeah. And, and the example of the fish, how excited he gets over the fish, is another sign of he is very like them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, he absolutely works on their level. He just thinks he's a level above them. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not sure he is. I think he should be in this institution. And there was an aspect of oh, interesting. Nurse Ratchet is right, and he should be there. And actually, uh, you know, obviously, lobotomy is not the best thing for him. Oh, no. But treatments and a stable coming influence and some sort of schedule might have been the right thing
0: Hmm. okay so uh, when I I said they were I thought they were two sides of the same coin and what I mean by Mm -hmm. that and again this is me kind of disagreeing (laughs) with you but I just (laughs) want to get it out there so like I said I think she genuinely cares about the men she wants to do what's best for them and she thinks she is okay and I think that Leading up until the end, and this is one of the reasons why I think this movie is so freaking tragic, is he also genuinely cares about these men. He gets to that point where he genuinely cares about these men. He wants them to have fun. He, He doesn't believe they should be there. He believes they should not be held to the standards that they're held to in this institution. They should be able to run their own lives, and he's trying to give that to them. Which is why when Billy gets overwhelmed and can't handle it, Mm-hmm. And he kills himself. I think that's on Mac as much as it is on R- Nurse Ratchet.
1: I think that's not on Nurse Ratchet at all.
0: And I think... Mm-hmm. Well, a no. little bit no. it is.
1: No, because the threat about his mother.
0: Yes. The threat about his mother. Yeah. Like, but she didn't... She's done that before and it's never gone that badly, yeah. right? And so it was a bad decision. She didn't know that's where it was going to yeah. end up. But he she is also threatening where... him
1: to keep him in his place, you know, and yeah. to maintain her power over it.
0: Right. But it... But having this happen, and then the look on Mac's face when it happened, and the reason it's so tragic to me is because he's fine. He's understanding that these men maybe do need something other than what he thinks they need. Mm-hmm. hmm You know, and that he was wrong in pushing them in the direction that he was pushing them. Yep. And the way that he was trying to show affection and, I don't want to say love, but affection and love to them was detrimental. Hmm which in turn was detrimental to him and it's i it's just it's so tri- it's tri- it broke it, my yeah. heart yeah absolutely broke my heart um i didn't expect him to physically attack nurse ratchet in that moment but i okay. understand mm. like why he did and then when he comes out having actually had the lobotomy done and and chief kills him <sighs> It, yeah? <laughs> it it killed me. Like, I didn't actually cry, but, like, I was verbally, like, oh, no, oh, my God, I can't believe this is what's happening. Mm. Completely unexpected. It's just it, – it, the whole thing is so tragic.
1: Which, you know, that that is a – perhaps that's the reason Chief has to be there. Yeah. You know, if he's going to look at this guy and go, ah, he should be dead instead.
0: I mm. can understand that, though. I mean, I think Chief rightly – assesses the situation now whether or not like taking somebody's life is almost never right particularly without consent but in this moment i think he sees mcmurphy laying there and says this isn't the mcmurphy that i know the mcmurphy that i know would not want to live like this hmm. which is why he took his life to set him free mm-hmm. before he left it's just so hard
1: have you ever seen a film called capex
0: yes it's been hmm. a very long time though
1: Mm-hmm. This this reminds me of K Pax because I saw K Pax first. Now she read the, the it's a series of books as well. And oh. with with the exception of the fact it's Kevin Spacey, K Pax is worth watching. It is wonderful. Um, but he the the really interesting thing there is is that um, Prot is is supposed to leave the body and go and leave the Earth at the end of the film. And even mm-hmm. I think takes one of the um, people on the ward with him. And when they bring Frot out in the morning and he is basically catatonic, all the other people that he has bonded with over the course of the film are like, who's that? Who's the new person in our thing? Mm. And I sort of feel like that's a really nice turn that would have worked here. That when McMurphy comes back, it would have been like, who's that? It's not McMurphy. Mm -hmm. Showing that it's someone fundamentally different or something. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And uh, there's another bit in um, K-Pax where a sparrow, I think, gets into the ward. And everyone sort of delights in the beautifulness of this bird who's come in and that then flies off. And someone later on says to Prod, You're the Sparrow. You're the beautiful thing that comes in for a moment and then disappears. Mm-hmm. And again, a sparrow might not be the right thing, but McMurphy is that. He is this presence who comes in, turns everything upside down for whatever time period this takes place over, mm-hmm. and then is gone, and things are utterly different from his passing. Yeah. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I wish that we could have seen that something had changed in the ward mm. after this story. I don't believe it did. No. Um, which I think is why, you know, it, we end on that scene of... Well, we don't end on it because we end on the scene of Chief leaving. But before that happens, we get Ratchet in her little neck brace asking, how are you? Do you? I don't remember which guy it was, but the guy who showed her his teeth. Yeah. Um, asking, "Are you? how are you? Are you okay? You know, do you feel better? And he's like, yeah, blah, blah, you know, and then he just goes back and does his thing. You know, like everything's still the same. She's still talking over the PA system from her little booth mm-hmm. and everybody else is just playing cards. Yeah. You know, nothing has changed.
1: Yeah, which I think is the point of that, that, he, you know, McMurphy has come in and as much as people might go, oh, what an interesting character, you know, similar to an Indiana Jones type. Oh, what a great character. I'd love to be like him. Actually, he's an ass. <laughs> Yeah. And actually, you don't want to be like him.
0: Yeah, hmm. but I think Ooh. it just again, it it supports the idea that it's the system that's the villain.
1: Yeah, no, I these. I think that's a very strong point. Hmm. So. Hmm. and it's a great film because you can have all these different read- readings of it and have these discussions about it. And you, might you know, it's, you know, it's similar similar to what we've done about a Godfather or something. Just yeah. I think the content therein in is not as long lasting. I, I I compared it when we were talking earlier to Sunset Boulevard. I think Sunset Boulevard will always be a classic mm-hmm. and we'll always be talking about fading stardom and the need to, you know, have a reason to live and so on. Um, I think we will be an enduring thing, which is why that film has endured so well. Mm-hmm. This is a very well-made film for its time.
0: Yes, definitely <laughs> yeah. for its time.
1: And then it has all these actors in it.
0: It does.
1: <laughs> like, throughout, you're like, oh, that's, oh, look, that's, oh, that's.
0: That's Doc Brown. Know. Oh, my goodness.
1: It's Danny DeVito, you
0: know. Wait, what?
1: Um, Martini. No. The, li- the little one is basically also Danny DeVito's first on-screen appearance, along with Christopher Lloyd, along with Brad DeRiff.
0: Wait, what?
1: Yeah,
0: right. what? <laughs> Holy crap! Are you sure?
1: I am very sure.
0: It is. I hadn't. I did not clock that at all. He I looks didn't
1: so that. different. And then, and then he and Christopher Lloyd would go on to be in Taxi together. Um, also starring Andy Kaufman.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The film of Andy Kaufman, Man on the Moon, starring mm-hmm. Jim Carrey, director by Milos Foreman.
0: Oh. Yeah. Okay.
1: It's just one of those little curious things. There, There is apparently an episode of Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which heavily plays on the the, the stuff in Cuckoo's Nest. Okay. and has Danny DeVito doing some of the same stuff. So I've not watched the series, so I don't know, but I've seen people commenting, like, it it's one of the great sort of spoofs.
0: I'm sitting here looking at a picture still from the movie. It does not look like Danny DeVito to me.
1: It doesn't. You can just... There are moments you can see it.
0: Oh, my god! But I think Yeah, no, I completely missed that one.
1: Danny DeVito doesn't smile much. In his great performances, he's Mm -hmm. rascally, swindling, grumpy, is is what he tends to play. So because Martini is a character who smiles a lot, it's a little different than we would normally see. Okay. Hmm.
0: Maybe it's also just because he has hair.
1: Well, maybe that. that's...
0: That's a terrible thing to say, but I yeah, I think it's it's he just he looks so different because he's got the dark hair and he's smiling. I think you're mm. right, but mm. I never would have picked up that that was Danny DeVito. Wow.
1: And 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 of course this is one of the first on-screen appearances of Louise Fletcher. Yes. Who you're absolutely right, one leading actress for this role and would go on to be one of the great Star Trek villains mm-hmm. in in Wynn. Who was in 14 episodes of DS9. She wow. was in like 8% of the episodes. But she is one of the enduring characters. Between mm-hmm. her and the female founder. You know, it's a show with good female villains.
0: Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I'm looking to see what else she was in. I remembered um, she was also the grandmother in Flowers in the Attic. Oh, well, okay. So she, I remembered that I... When we talked about DS9 way back when in just a conversation... Mm. I said, I don't like Louise Fletcher, and I don't really know why. I just feel okay. like she always plays villains. Mm-hmm. And every character that I think of, that I'm reminded of, she is, essentially. Right. Okay. But then it turns out, I don't actually think she's a villain <laughs> <laughs> in this one. But, <sighs> oh, while wow, she was on ER. She was in um, two episodes of Private Practice. Mm-hmm. Goodness. All right.
1: You watched Once Upon a Time, didn't you?
0: I uh, didn't watch the final season, but yes.
1: Because there is a Nurse Ratchet character, apparently, in a number of episodes. Hmm. And I would imagine, with the great amount of subtlety that show always did, that that is a pretty evil version of the character. Probably. So I wonder if that might be something that you're calling back to. I, I can't remember seeing it, but I didn't also watch all the series.
0: Oh, she debuted in the first season, so I'm, I've am i seen her. I just don't remember. Mm, I, I do not remember
1: seen. at all, I'm afraid. But.
0: Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Okay. We've um, talked a lot. What else? Uh, have
1: we talked enough about Brad Because I, I, I mean, you know, he's great. Yeah. It's just, it, it is a little bit different from what he normally does, but at the same time, it has that sort of slightly weaselly, very mm-hmm. small person thing going on with it. Just the turn that when he wakes up with Candy and Nurse Ratched is there, he's not stuttering. Mm-hmm. And as soon as she threatens him, he stutters right back in action. Yeah. Again, it's not subtle stuff, but it is, it speaks to her, that for me, the side of Nurse Ratched who is controlling. And for her, she's keeping the schedule and yeah, likes to maintain the order, whether it's the right thing and the best thing for these patients or not. Okay. Mm, it's great. And yeah, it's heartbreaking. It, oh, it's yeah, wonderful. It's a great story. It's really good. I've never read it. Um, perhaps I should do. Perhaps. It's reminiscent of Clockwork Orange, which also has a book which is slightly different in telling. And it's they are utterly different, different things. Um, but talking to Abby Shaw at this A-Shaw on Twitter, um, who said that she watched and wrote about it and talked about it on her A-levels. Um, and I, I meant, because in, just in mentioning Clockwork and Charlie they seem similar to me, she's like, yes, that is also th- something I wrote about in the same essay.
0: Mm. <laughs> yeah. I have also never seen that one, and I've always kind of gotten the two of them mixed up in my mm-hmm. brain, mm-hmm. because I know they're from similar time periods, they both have to do with um, a mental institution.
1: Yes.
0: And that's it. Yeah. Like, that. I mean, that's it. I don't know anything else, but... I'm always confused, like, which, like, is, is one floor over the cuckoo's nest the one that's like really psychedelic and crazy, or mm-hmm. is it not? And, but I, I I haven't seen that one either.
1: So, what they've both got a C and they've both got a K. Is that what it is?
0: Potentially. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe.
1: <laughs> so, episode 201 of clockwork Orange. <laughs>
0: nope. Nope. We're ending on episode 200.
1: <laughs> episode 201 would be 2001. That's why you're ending at episode two hundred.
0: <laughs> good shout, good shout.
1: Yeah. Okay,
0: but there's there's nothing saying that perhaps we can't do uh, Clockwork Orange on any future projects that we may any may not f- do.
1: possible future projects.
0: Yeah, yes, absolutely. Hmm. All right, is there anything else that we need to talk about? One flow over the Kooka test. <laughs>
1: <laughs> One flow over the orange. Cl- cl- cuckoo work nest. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, no, it, it's not one that has, I think, dialogue or anything like that that you can call to. Mm-mm. You know, sort of classic monologues or anything.
0: No, mm. I was thinking back, even going back through my my thought stock on this one, I didn't write down very many quotes mm. because there just weren't a lot.
1: Yeah, but it is all in the performances.
0: Absolutely. Mm. Mm, okay. watching the the body language and the facial expressions. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And God, Louise Fletcher's voice. She's, she's just, just so, like, melodic. Like, it's calm and soothing, but mm-hmm. she's not.
1: And, and that's why Kai Wynn is the great, because Kai Wynn is Nurse Ratchet in some ways. The, the character in the arc oh. is, you know, again, this very small person who just wants power. Yes, she and, very much just wants power. And gets it through any means and has this very petty way of controlling people. And Louise she Fletcher is absolutely limits, the perfect though. thing for it. Say yeah, Kai,
0: Wen di- Kai Wen did have her limits, though. Mm. Like, when she figured out that the dude was... Uh... Wow, I can't remember anybody's name right now.
1: Are you about to give the big spoiler of Season 7 away? Yes. I, I-, I probably wouldn't.
0: Okay. Well... <laughs> When she learns the truth, she doesn't, she cares, right? Like somebody who's truly power hungry wouldn't care and the ends would justify the means. And for that, the ends did not justify the means.
1: Okay. Yeah, Horror. no, yeah. It's it's not power in those ways. It's power and being right and being respected right, yeah, or honored. Yeah. Or, okay. Right.
0: True. Okay. So I am fully prepared to have people at me tell me how wrong i am about nurse ratchet so you can wait we didn't say what's next yet we didn't <laughs> I'm say what's saying, next waiting yet. for you
1: to ask me a question <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right so matthew mm-hmm. what's next
1: so i talked about how we're doing some great films some big films um as we come towards our episode 200 we're going to be watching fargo
0: I cannot tell from your facial expression and voice if you think that's actually a good thing or not.
1: Okay. We're watching Fargo in oh, whatever that means.
0: <laughs> but this was your pick.
1: It was my pick and we're watching it.
0: All right. We're watching it. Okay. Francis McDormand. That's all I know. And yes. North Dakota.
1: And North Dakota. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <Yep>. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I think it's a murder mystery, but I'm not actually positive. Okay. Oh, you're not gonna give me anything else. Okay? I'm not gonna
1: give you a damn thing. You're gonna have to go and watch that film.
0: Yeah, dude, you're brutal. So last night, for our listeners, here's a funny story. You know, when Joseph was almost ready to divorce me about Nurse Ratched, he was like, "I really need to know what Matthew thinks." He's like, "I might even just listen to you talk about it." And I was like, "I'll just, I'll just text Matthew." And so I texted you. Mm-hmm. Joseph really needs to know what you think about Nurse Ratched. Is she evil? And what was your response, Matthew?
1: that joseph needs to wait until the episode <laughs> comes out to find out like everyone do else do you
0: not care about my marriage <laughs> my brand new marriage
1: <laughs> five weeks in
0: <laughs> yeah so that that was fun that's fun
1: he needs to wait like everyone else I, at least he did send in some comments which we haven't read out but thank you for I mean, googling and sharing you. stuff
0: yeah he he doesn't agree with me i think that's all anybody really needs to know yeah <laughs> He thinks I'm a terrible person. All right. If you would like to tell us how awful I am because I don't think Nurse Ratchet is evil, you can do that on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Eloquent Gushing. Or you can send an email to podcast at eloquentgushing.com. However, I would really prefer it if you just send us your thoughts about episode 200. That'd be great. But if you really want to get in touch with me, I am Mandy Kay, and you can find me on Twitter at Mandy Kay.
1: And I'm Matthew Bose. I'm on Twitter at Matthew Bose. Pop Culture Deprived is completely funded by all our lovely listeners on Patreon. You can get access to exclusive content and bonus stuff and you get physical merch sent out to you and it helps to develop the new shows that might be possibly coming. Um, (laughs) You can find out more if you go to patreon.com and look up all the information there.
0: And we will be back with another episode where we are going to talk about Fargo. Until then, I'm Mandy Kay.
1: And I'm a goddamn marvel of modern science.
0: That is the best quote in the movie.
1: Yeah. Pop Culturally Deprived is an Eloquent Gushing production. For more information, go to eloquentgushing.com or find us on Twitter at Eloquent Gushing.